the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Let's look again at James chapter 1, verse 19. We went over this before, and it says, Understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone be quick to hear, be a careful and thoughtful listener, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and slow to anger, patient, reflective, and forgiving. He is calling believers to come and listen quietly and humbly to the teaching of the Word of God. Now, this is about receiving the Word of Truth. He is writing to believers and he addresses them as beloved. And he tells them in in an imperative command, which is very direct. And he says, be quick to hear. Be quick to hear, and, and that implies a lot of things. That, that is a readiness to hear. That's an anxiousness to hear. Look for every opportunity to hear. It implies an urgent need to hear, an eagerness to hear, a silencing of every distraction to hear. To hear what? The word of truth. Be eager to hear the word of God, that is the logos, the word that is spoken. And we come and settle our souls in a posture of quiet worship, refusing to be distracted, expectant, expectant to hear from God. Now that's a training of the soul because the flesh doesn't naturally expect or want to hear anything from God. But we show up. And if you show up looking to hear something from me, you're going to walk away maybe, maybe blessed, maybe not. But you didn't come here to hear me, I hope. You came to hear the Spirit of God speak directly to you what He wants you and you alone to hear. He'll do it perhaps through my words, maybe through something you're reading there as you, as you go through the text. But He wants you to hear more than you want to hear. He desires to teach you more than you desire to learn. And that's a comfort Because there are many times my desires are not there. I can commend them unto the Lord. We need to be like Samuel. And you remember when when Samuel came and, and he heard a voice. He went to the old priest, Eli, and he said, What do I do? What do I say? I keep hearing this voice. Eli told him, 
Then the Lord came and stood and called as the previous times. Now, you know what I love about this is the persistence of God. You know, you know the way people teach and, and the way we think about God, it's that if I don't hear that still, small voice, if there happens to be a plane flying overhead, I'm going to miss the word of God somewhere. But in reality, God is persistent when he calls. And he says, Samuel, Samuel. And here's the answer. Speak, for your servant is what? Listening, actively listening. Not now that you're going to speak, I think I'll hear you. But I am listening As we gather as his body to hear his voice and to worship in a yielded obedience as one, we gather to listen, to hear. As I mentioned last time we we looked at James, the Spirit of God is answering the insecurities, the uncertainties, and the fear of their circumstance. And he's answering it with a call to discipline their souls, to align them with truth. Now, it's an interesting approach because what we want is we want our souls to be soothed, to be calmed. We want our mind, will, and emotion to have some hope in this world, to have something to grasp and hold on to in this world. But what the Spirit of God does, and you see him do this throughout the epistles, you see it uh, even beyond that, what the Spirit of God does is he says, look and listen And align yourself with truth. In the midst of our fears, there is a call to obedience because we were made to live a specific way. And he wants us to live in that way in order that we might have a sense of his presence, a sense of normalcy, a sense of hope and comfort in all that he has laid forth for us to live from. But without that practice, without that yieldedness, it does not happen. He calls them to discipline their souls and to align them in truth. James begins his letter by calling Christians to endure with joy the trials, the tribulations, the temptations that they were facing. And knowing that these things would prove their faith and bring about endurance and steadfastness and hope. This is what James calls them to. Faith brings forth or produces endurance or steadfastness and patience. Because it is faith that invites the Spirit of God to balance the soul. It is faith that allows us to look away from the visible or the temporal and behold the spiritual or the eternal. And when the world and the enemy are seeking to take life from us, by faith we see clearly where our life is held, forever beyond the reach of our enemies of truth. And this will fill our souls with a holy confidence to endure. Here's the thing. All of us know that we need to live by faith. We cry out to God when we are shaken, when we feel uncertainty or fear or insecurity. Now, faith is not God coming to resolve that insecurity or that fear. Faith is reckoning with an assurance that he has always been there. 
That he, his peace, his presence is unmoved by the things around us. That we don't have to live in an uncertainty with this world. We can live in a certainty of him. We don't have to live in the insecurity of our circumstances. We can live in the security of him. And in each one of these things, when he calls us to faith, he's not calling us so that we can hold his hand to walk through it. He's calling us so that we can recognize that we have nothing to fear from the things that are coming against us. We literally live in his presence. Faith makes us aware of the truth of that. So, again, we are called to live this life by faith. And truly living is facing every moment in the confidence of his presence and love. Faith is necessary for salvation and sanctification. The child of God is the only created being that can choose how he will live on this earth. We can either live a lie and walk according to the flesh or live in truth and walk by the spirit. So in verse 19 or the 19th verse of James, he speaks of the discipline of hearing the word. And it is the training of our appetite for the word. That begins by learning to quiet our souls before him, determining to receive what he gives. Now that's a discipline, particularly in this day and age when we are constantly taught to multitask, to keep ourselves distracted, to always have something else to jump our mind to, particularly when things become uncomfortable. And if you notice people literally walking into each other in front of traffic, staring at a phone, because they got to stay in touch with an alternate reality. They're not even really in touch with them. They're simply keeping their minds distracted from where they are. This is not what God has called us to. We should be the most confident people upon the face of the earth, being able to walk in every situation without the need of distraction, but constantly reckoning upon the presence of God and his ministry about us and through us. We need to quiet our souls and determine to receive as he gives. You know, I remember in training my own children to be a part of the services It was a discipline. It was a discipline. Because they are not naturally wanting to sit. They are not naturally wanting to listen. They are naturally wanting to be kids who naturally want to run around and distract themselves with a variety of things. But there's a discipline in coming. I applaud parents who bring their children. There's a discipline in showing them that this is important. That this is how moms and dads carry forward their faith. This is the truth of who they are. And you don't teach them that by sending them to Sunday school so you can stay home in your slippers and watch a game. You teach them that by coming and you come with a, with a desire to worship. A desire to join the fellowship in worship and in prayer and in all the things that God has called the assembly for. Kids know the truth. They know when you're just checking a box or when this is important to you. Now, as I said, we talk a lot about the soul, and I'm going to review some things about the soul, which most of you have heard me say before, but it bears repeating. 
The soul consists of three components, the mind, the will, and our emotions. And we have divided that up to come up with three different personality types, the thinker, the doer, and the feeler. Now, no one is really just one of those. We all have a predominant type, but the other two kind of balance that out. So you're all a blend, right? As I have said, the soul is an instrument that will be played, but it is never played by just you, okay? It is an instrument. What I mean by that is neither bad nor good. It is not inherently bad nor inherently good, except what comes in it or out of it can be bad or good. So if I put poison in a glass... What's in the glass is bad. I put milk in the glass. What's in the glass is good, right? It's a matter of what I put in the glass, right? The same is true of the soul. Now, as an instrument, it will be played by you, and it is you as a new creation with a soul that is yielded to the Spirit of God, Or it is the soul assuming the identity of the now dead old man who did not know God. And in that condition, your soul is being led by the evil trinity, which is or would be the flesh, the world, and the enemy. So you see that. Either way, if your soul is being led by the Spirit of God, by the new creation, who you are, that is who you are. And if you've yielded your soul to the Spirit of God in His union work through the new creation, He will literally direct your mind, will, and emotion. It is in that point that you have the mind of Christ. It is at that point you operate in the will of God. It is in that point that your obedience is based in the work of God. Okay? You are aligned with Him. Now... When you refuse to align yourself with Him, when you're not yielded to the Spirit of God, your soul is being directed by other forces. There are only two predominant forces. You are with God. Your life is hidden in Christ, is it not? So you're not jumping out of Christ over into the enemy's camp. That doesn't work. Okay, what's happening is you are living in the image of the old man. You've created for yourself a false self. The disposition of the soul has been yielded to the work of the world, the flesh, and the enemy. Okay, so you see yourself as you always saw yourself before Christ. All the appetites of the flesh are still there. The desires of the flesh are still there. The things that used to get you still get you. And you can't make that flesh righteous. And that's what a lot of people try to do. That's what legalism's about. Somehow controlling the flesh. Seeking to make it righteous. There's only one righteousness and guess whose it is. It's in Christ, and you've been clothed in it, (laughs) if you're a child of God, right? Why is that important? 
It's important to see this because as we go through James, James makes a real good point about the discipline of the soul. How do Christians live? What is our way of functioning in this world? And unless you realize who you are, and you realize the difference between who you are and what the world thinks of you and what the world wants to make of you, then guess what? You're not dividing between soul and spirit. You're taking a soulish, mind, will, and emotion momentum to your life. You are literally allowing the world to dictate how you see life. That's dangerous, isn't it? Particularly in this time that we live in. Allowing the world dictate how you see life? Well, that's not the way you were made to live. You were made to live under the work of the Spirit, by the work of the Spirit. Be ye what? Filled continuously. Now, he says continuously because there's a continuous vacuum in the soul. You need it continuously. We don't see ourselves as needy as we are. So we're constantly thinking we could walk around taking a little bit of the world, a little bit of God, a little bit of the world, a little bit of God. It doesn't work that way. So we have the three personality types, the thinker, the doer, the feeler. And when we live to the old man, those personality types are still involved. The carnal Christian is a Christian that has developed his, this false identity, but will try to keep his flesh in check through the, his religious pursuits and self-discipline, and of course, with God's help. Again, the reason I'm walking you through this is so that you can see that the Spirit of God, through the pen of James, is calling these believers through the fundamentals of Christian maturity and that is the discipline of the soul by faith. Now, how, how do we learn this? How do we learn to endure? How much endurance does a baby or a child have? Well, very little, right? This is why maturity is important. They have resilience, but they have no endurance. And James begins with the very basic of needs, right? What does he start with? Nurture. We need to receive nurture in order to grow. Now, every creature has a specific diet, and the flesh requires a variety of foods in order for the body to remain healthy. It is no less true with the new creation, which is a spiritual creature that lives from the nurture of the Spirit. And when we neglect this nurture, which comes through the Spirit in a variety of ways, we become weak. And return to living the only other way we know how. And what way is that? According to the flesh. Exactly. It's our default. Why? Because there's only two ways to live. If you don't believe me, read the epistles of Paul over and over again. You're either walking according to the flesh or you're living by the Spirit. Now, James is instructing believers to receive humbly and quietly the word of truth, which comes to us by way of the Spirit of God. And Jesus calls himself the bread of life. Many think we just need a taste of it. But as new creations, he is our nurture. He is meeting the new creation's need richly, constantly, because the need is constant. It's not partial. It's not the occasional taste. 
He is our nurture. He is meeting our needs. We are maturing in our appetite for truth if we're growing in truth. We have this discerning taste for the pure and unaltered word of God. And we have learned to be ever hungry for it. This is in part why we should be intent listeners and voracious consumers of his word. Now this is not to be a, to bring on a guilt trip. It shouldn't be a guilt trip for you because you're already made in this way. All I'm telling you is the way you were made to live, live in it. Live in it. Enjoy the way that you were made. Now look, that doesn't just come to you by saying, I think I'll do that. I think I'll try that, right? How many of you have said, I'll read through the Bible in a year? Or I'll read through the Bible in this much time? I'll read a chapter a week. Or I'll do whatever. How many of you have made those kinds of declarations? That's not what it's about. When we develop an appetite for the word of God, the first step is recognizing that we have one. That is the very first step. Because if you don't recognize you have one, the enemy is busy convincing you that you're doing something you don't want to do. He'll tell you in your own voice, in first person singular, oh, you know, I could be out doing some things I need to do, like raking the leaves or folding the napkins that I'm going to use next year. Whatever. It doesn't matter how important you might think it is. It is your nurture. How many of you skipped eating today? It's important. How many of you went without water for the week? It's important. God calls it important. And he doesn't do it because he wants to test your commitment. It's preached like that, but that's, that's, that's a lie. Everything that God commands us to, he commands for our good. To bless us. So, he starts with the very basic principle of nurture. We need nurture. James is insisting that believers receive humbly and quietly the word of truth. Jesus is meeting our needs. We are maturing our appetite in truth as we grow. We have his discerning taste for the pure and unaltered word of God. And we are learning to be ever fed by it. Now this in part is why we should be listeners. So James begins with the command, be quick to hear a careful and thoughtful listener. Now in order for nurture to strengthen us and bring forth enduring faith and unshakable confidence, we must convert what we have heard through the word as nurture, we must convert it to obedience or in the language of our metaphor, exercise. Now, those of you who really indulged yourself at Thanksgiving have a good understanding of this. So, James is going to write about being doers of the word. Now, let's look at our text. We're going to look at James chapter 1, verses 21 through 27. So, get rid of all uncleanliness, all that remains of, the, of wickedness, and with a humble spirit, receive the word of God, which is implanted, actually rooted in your heart which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, actually 
continually obeying God's precepts and not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone listens to the word word without obeying it, he is like a man who carefully looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favored by God in what he does in this life of obedience. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, scrupulously observant of the rituals of of his faith, and does not control his tongue, he deludes his own heart. This person's religion is worthless, futile, barren. Pure and unblemished religion, as it is expressed in outward acts, is in the sight of our God and Father, is this. To visit and look after the fatherless and the widows, in their distress and to keep oneself uncontaminated by the secular world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. How beautifully you illustrate all that you've made us to be and done for us. May we walk in the truth of it. May we yield to the work of your spirit. May we hear you through constant, quiet, and humble listening tuning our ears to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.